Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are people-powered radio at 106.5 FM, and maybe you're listening to our live stream at forwardradio.org. If you're not, if you're not online, please check us out at forwardradio.org. We That's the way to get involved in this station, and we want you involved. We built this for you. Uh, if you've got ideas, perspectives, events coming up, or anything like that that you want a megaphone for, this is your station. You can uh, contact us at forwardradio.org to be a guest on a program or do a one-time access hour or maybe start your own weekly show like me. Well, it's all volunteer-powered, and, and we'd love to have you. And then we also rely on your contributions. You're, the only way you're hearing this is because people like you chip in a few bucks every day to help keep us on the air, and it's a steal. What a great community treasure at only $20 a day to run the entire station on volunteer power that's that's how we make it happen here at forward radio and thanks for being a part of it over all these years well what i do here on sustainability now is i bring in friends new and old from around the community uh, who are doing work in various areas of sustainability and occasionally i get to interview some business owners in my neighborhood and that's what i'm doing today i'm so excited to have kira meter in the studio welcome kira hey kira is founder and owner of a one-year-old business on barrett avenue called toza apothecary and tea house it's at uh, 976 barrett avenue and you can learn more about it and you can even shop online at tozasoap.com t-o-z-a soap.com but soap's not the only thing you sell right no <laughs> no not anymore is that kind of the heart of the business in a way um yeah that's what got us our start we we started just just with handmade bar soap and uh -huh. now we have expanded we have teas and tinctures and and salves and even beyond that um lots of like bamboo products and uh, our whole refillery, which opened in January. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about that, about shopping zero waste. That, mm -hmm. I'm so excited to talk about that. Uh, so how did you get into this? Was, was soap making really your start? And where did you learn that? Well, um, I, I taught myself to make soap, um, but I worked in medicine for about a decade. And I also I went to hair school when I was like 17. Oh. And so I had like a little bit of a, a cosmetology background. Uh-huh. And um, when I was pregnant with my son, who's three now, so this is about four years ago, um, I was I was pretty sick. Like, I couldn't do a whole lot. So I had to take up a hobby that I could do in my house, <laughs> right, right. you know? <laughs> and um, I'd always wanted to try it. I was like, all right, this is the time. I've got all the time in the yeah. world. And I really, I fell in love with the combination of art and science. Oh, right. Chemistry has always been like a huge love of mine, mm. as, you know, especially when I was going through college. And having the ability to take that and put it into practical form in my own house, I didn't have to go to a lab or anything, just really like struck a nerve with me. I was like, all right, I want to I want to try. Ooh, how can I get pH shift or how can I uh -huh. uh, do this color morph thing that I've read about? And there's like all Ooh. kinds of different ways to play with the chemistry of soap. And I got hooked. 
I'd love, to, I'd love to spend a little more time because I've never had a soap maker on the show. I learned how to make soap in the Peace Corps down nice. in Paraguay. We worked with a women's group and with, you know, farmers uh, who didn't have a lot of resources and the idea of spending money on this, you know, washing powder made in Brazil, right? That, that maybe was too harsh on their hands and stuff like that. We just didn't make any sense. So that's when we started diving into what are these recipes like? Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the fundamental elements? I mean, you don't have to give us a full recipe or all your insider secrets on the air, but like, what are some of the fundamental elements just to give people an idea of what it's like to make soap at home? Well, first of all, I want to say I don't mind to share. I'm oh, always happy to teach. I feel like being able to rely on yourself. I, I never, I never want to discourage more people being knowledgeable about something. Oh, good. So if you're ever, you ever have questions, or you ever want to learn anything, <laughs> just stop by. I'd be happy to teach you. Nice. But the the basic elements of soap making are um, fats and oils right. with uh, sodium hydroxide, which is lye, and water. And when you combine all of those things at the appropriate time and temperature, you get a uh, resulting process called saponification. Soap making literally has its own chemical process with its own namesake. And that's how you get suds, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, uh, one of the things that usually blows people's minds when I tell them is that, you know, when you combine the fats and oils with sodium hydroxide, the resulting compound or the resulting uh, molecule is a salt. Oh, really? So soap soap is a salt. Soap is a salt? It is. <gasps> wow, you are blowing my mind. And then <laughs> soap comes in both liquid and solid and even powder mm-hmm. forms, right? So do you make all of those? So we, we carry many like powder detergents. And it's the same thing that you can make at home if you wanted to make your own powder detergent. Really? You could buy something comparable in the store. You know, you're talking washing soda, borax, um essential oils, shaved bar soap, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's pretty popular nowadays to make your own because it's so much more, um, it's eco-efficient and it's cost-efficient. Sure. sure. Um, and we just do that for you in case you want to, like you don't have the time to shave a bar of soap down in your yes. own kitchen, you know? Yes. Um, so, you know, we don't manufacture detergents, but we will like put, put everything together for you so you can bring your own container and continue to like do that refill thing and aren't interested in going and buying like big plastic jugs of powder detergent at the store. Yeah, exactly. And do you sell soap making uh, ingredients? Um, Everything but lye. The, you know, it's it's a regulated uh, chemical. So oh, how do you get it? Um, you can actually grab it at most hardware stores. Oh, okay. And it is going to say drain cleaner on it. <laughs> just FYI. It is a cleaner. But uh, it is kind of harsh, right? So you're not yeah. using a lot of it and you do need to be careful. Yes, be very, very careful. Uh, sodium hydroxide lye is, has a pH of 14. Ooh. Um, Really? <laughs> yes. So it can uh, it can burn right through your skin, like raw. If you mix it with water, it can get upwards to 250, 300 degrees. Wow. While the the chemical reaction Just is chemical taking reaction place between the water and the line. Wow. So safety gear, goggles, okay. uh, and a little experience is is always recommended when messing with lye. Okay. Is the safety gear any specialized gloves or just good, solid rubber gloves? Yes. Um, you always want to make sure you check that little number that comes on plastics. Uh, it's usually in like a circle. And um, you can, there are, um, I want to say like MSDS sheets 
like yeah. material safety data sheets yep. for sodium hydroxide that will tell you which plastics to avoid. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, but <laughs> yes, people are manufacturing <laughs> all kinds of things, you know, right? <laughs> there, yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a part. Um, where uh, they need to dissolve some organic tissue. Uh-huh. And um, Jesse ends up grabbing the wrong kind of oh, plastic dear. container. And I'm trying to remember the, the type yeah. that, oh, gosh, I know the, the plastic name because I have to buy it myself. Oh. Um, but Jesse goofs up and buys the wrong kind of plastic. <laughs> and so the, the lye solution just eats right through it. I think yeah. they use an acid. but yeah. And um, same with, like, their bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> And their floor. Uh, so, yeah, like paying attention to that kind of thing is super important. We, we don't want to scare our listeners away from trying <laughs> making soap. Maybe you're going a little too far here with the analogies. But, yeah, I mean, it, be careful about it. But it is something that an average person can do with a little bit of prep at mm-hmm. home, right? And then, of course, you get the fun of experimenting with different additional ingredients on top of that, whether mm-hmm. it's all kinds of fragrances, right? Mm-hmm. Or colors, mm-hmm. or I buy soap sometimes that have like oatmeal in mm-hmm. them or yeah. pumice soap and stuff like that. Do you want to, do you sell any of those types of specialty things? Yeah. Um, we do a coffee scrub that's really popular. Uh, so it's got actual coffee grounds in it really? that act as an exfoliant. And uh, every time we make a batch, which is about twice a year, we try to go to a new local coffee shop and kind of like partner with them. Cool. Um, I think the last one we did was there, there's an Oak street barbershop with a, a small coffee shop in the back oh, cool. coffee roaster. And we worked oh, with nice. them. And of course uh, there, there's been a few other iterations, but you know, COVID put a big pause. So right. we're like looking to, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to try to hit up bean next. Cause okay. they're my favorite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think they do a zero waste coffee service too for getting the beans at bean too yeah yeah so cool okay and then the other thing that i'm sure people are concerned about is we mentioned fats as one of the ingredients Mm -hmm. so there's people who want to have vegan soaps Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. is that something you help people with yeah so all of our soaps currently are vegan nice Um, you can make soap from animal fats like lard yeah but we our uh, customer base is almost exclusively vegan, wow. uh, or at least vegan conscious. They they're not interested in using more animal products than they need to. But you know, I'm I'm more than happy to just stick with what we've always done, which is, is yeah. you know, and our um, our specific oils are are olive oil, coconut oil, shea butter. We'll occasionally use like a sunflower oil or avocado oil, um, but that's it. That's wow. that's really the base of the. Tell me, tell me more about shea butter. I, I'm aware of it as a, a product commonly used in Africa, but I honestly don't know what plant it comes from. So um, I did a, a bit of research at one point when um, I was I was sourcing my materials yeah, yeah. because I'm, I'm really cautious about where I get things from. I want to make sure that there's not over-farming and or... Um, uh, slavery specifically involved in an industry. So we're not going to find palm oil in your soaps? Exactly. There is no palm oil in Good. anything that we sell. Good. Uh, even ethical. Ethical. Yeah. Questionable uh, palm oil. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, well, how much did you pay to put a label on your right. <laughs> on your thing to get me to buy it? Like, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. But yeah, so most, uh, most shea butter is hand-processed. Yeah. 
in I'm trying to remember the the specific country in Africa. When I went to Ghana, Central. I feel like I saw yeah. some of that mm -hmm. shea butter manufacturing going. I certainly saw it in the markets, mm -hmm. like big piles of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um so but I don't is there anywhere in the Americas where it's grown or sourced? I mean Not to my yeah, knowledge. Okay. Okay. Not I, mean, to my I need to learn more about shea butter, but um but yeah you you can make it out of many different kinds of oils and then which oil you choose how does that affect the end product it actually has quite a bit of an effect yeah tell me um, more about that that's one of the the fun things that you can play with is certain oils add to hardness certain ones add to like skin moisturizing you know at, once you've used the product hmm. um some of them will change the color or the texture um for example like our dish soap that is not to be used on the body is made purely with coconut oil because it is a harder, more uh, more cleansing soap bar at the end of the process. Oh. Um, but it does go into our our skin recipe too because it does add that hardness and that cleansing. But then we over we overcompensate with other fats and oils to keep the moisture right. content high. There's just like infinite possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to learn. Yeah. Do, do you ever host like workshops or anything like that at the store? Yeah. Um, we, we really want to do like public workshops and public classes. But with COVID being when it has been, we've just been sticking to private stuff. But if anybody's ever interested, they're more than welcome to contact us on Instagram, phone, or uh, our website to schedule a private class. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And that website is Toza Soap, T-O-Z-A Soap.com. Where does that name come from? So Toza is the Uzbek word for clean. And wow, Uzbekistan? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that was going to come up today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I when I first started the company and I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Um, I wanted to call it something alluding to the word clean uh -huh. because we knew we wanted to be clean for you clean for the environment and then like socially clean too nice. you know and make sure that we didn't participate in any humanities issues you know yeah, exactly we, that we, yeah um no abuse in exactly, our products right exactly. uh and i was like you know what let me figure out like where soap came from and like look yeah, up the history yeah which there, there's almost nothing like um, it's such an old technology that there really is not uh, much about where it came from. And, and most theories point to it having um, originated from several places simultaneously, uh -huh. like a few different cultures discovered it at the same time. Uh -huh. But the oldest, I think, like recipes and and, and defined use mm -hmm. dates, uh, I can't even remember how far it dates back, but uh, originates around the area now known as Uzbekistan. Oh, it's the heart of soap. It's the yeah. birthplace of soap. I didn't know that. <laughs> wow, I've got to go to Uzbekistan and get real clean. That's a, that's cool. But you don't go. You don't have to go that far. You can just saunter over to Barrett Avenue. My guest today on Sustainability Now is the founder and owner of Toza Apothecary and Tea House at nine seventy six Barrett Avenue. Her name is Kira Meter, and she's a fellow. You know, a fine Hoosier from Southern Indiana. <laughs> Anna, not embarrassed. We, we're happy to have her here in Louisville. Uh, what what settled you on Barrett Avenue, though? So um, we actually originally started in the Logan Street Market. Oh, um, yeah. That's kind of like a birthplace of mm -hmm. not just soaps, but 
other businesses, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, the pandemic uh, was a, a large part of why we decided to, to leave there. And, and we weren't sure exactly what we were going to do at that point. But um, when we did finally come to the conclusion that we were going to reopen and we wanted to do a full brick and mortar, we... Um, we really needed to pay more attention to what neighborhood and what community we yeah. were moving into so that we weren't participating in any harm like gentrification. Oh yeah. That's um, a big issue. Yeah. We, and you know, moving into a place like the Highlands that there's, there's really no damage to be done to the community. So we felt really good. Like, okay, this is a good home for us. Um, Barrett Avenue specifically acts kind of as a vegan corridor. It like does. there, it, there's secrets, there's, um, Flora Kitchenette, which is a vegan restaurant, and there's quite a few other, like, vegan type, yeah, like granola folk stuff. <laughs> and I was like, man, this this is our this is our neighborhood for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to move the conversation towards zero waste living and shopping, mm-hmm. but I also want to keep a toe in soap for just a second, which is. If you want to use soap or make your own soap, right, that doesn't have a lot of packaging, you need to move towards more of a solid bar type soap that doesn't need any packaging, right? So one thing that a lot of people who are thinking about this are doing are using bar soaps for certainly cleaning dishes, uh, Mm -hmm. but also for their hair, right? And for Mm -hmm. conditioner. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that was one of the first things that I thought about when I realized how much more eco-friendly bar soap was. I was like, why don't we have bar soap for our hair? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had never I had never really heard of Lush or been to a Lush store when I started. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, this place called Lush has those. And so I did a little recon and I went in there and I was just like, what is this? How do you use it? And I, you know, I started trying it myself and I'm like, I, I can definitely make this like. I, I can figure this out. And so I did. I had like a, um, a, a solid shampoo bar that I handmade that had a bit of a cult following for a long time. <laughs> uh, and now I actually buy from a place called Plain Still, uh, Plainville Homestead. It's another small woman owned soap maker because we can't, we don't have the capacity to hand make everything sure. all the time in our shop. So we had to like outsource a couple of things. We just made sure whoever we bought from had the same values and the same standards we did. And, um, you know, they're, they're fantastic. And now we have conditioner bars cause I never really worked out a recipe for those. Ah, um, okay. and I still have yet to try them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's on my to-do list. I have like a budget <laughs> of things that I'm allowed to, to have or try from the store every month. So next month it's going to be the conditioner. I'm huh? getting a conditioner bar. <laughs> so. I'm the bald man. I'm the worst person to even be thinking about this. But my wife uses solid shampoo and conditioner as well. So explain to people how you actually use it in the shower. Yeah. So I, a lot of times I'll get people like, do I do I lather it up in my hands and then yeah. put it in my hair? It's like, no, it's more simple than that. It is the laziest form of soap. I love it so much. Uh, I just get my hair wet and like couple strokes on top, couple underneath and like because it has this this coconut oil derived soap called was it sodium cockle isothionate? Is wow, the, the you pulled that term. out of your head. Wow, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the technical name for the coconut oil. Um, and then it it also has I'm really digging deep in my brain. I know, today. right? Impressive. Um, sodium laurel sulfastate sul- is the other thing. Wow, I'm getting real technical on you. Wow, but, um, these are two <laughs> naturally derived 
but manufactured surfactants that create like this really luxurious like full Ooh. lather so it doesn't take a whole lot okay. of the product to just really fill your hair with soap suds and it not only comes with no packaging but it lasts longer than mm -hmm. regular shampoo right yeah yeah you can get um just depending on your hair length and texture you know the same amount of use if not more out of a bar than you can out of a bottle yeah um because Bottle soap, I think the statistic is like 95% water. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the thing. You're <laughs> we do this a lot as American consumers. We pay good hard-earned money for water in a bottle, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Whether it's drinking water that we have access to the same water in our taps, right? For nothing, basically, that we can refill or a product like dish soap or shampoo mm -hmm. that is mostly water uh and we think it's making our lives better and more convenient but it's actually burdening us with all this plastic that we got to deal with right um so this ties into the whole refillery which i want to get to in a second but i did have one last question about hair since yeah. i'm a bald man i'm so curious i have heard people argue that americans tend to overwash their hair and that it's healthier to not wash it as frequently. Do you know anything about that or have any opinions about that as a soap maker? I do. Um, <laughs> first of all, I think it's totally appropriate to wash your hair as often as you feel comfortable. There you go. If you are more comfortable doing it more often, go for it. Uh, if you are like me and you might be comfortable doing it once maybe twice a week <laughs> also fine um, <laughs> um it is good for your hair to go lengths of time between washing it because your natural oils are there for a purpose mm. uh and having those to protect and moisturize your hair naturally is always great yeah some of us don't have that option and that's totally fine and all hair is different mm -hmm. right. and all hair is different you know um I would never make the same recommendation for someone with my hair type uh, for for someone who had a thicker or, a, you know, different type of hair because their needs are going to be very different from yeah. mine. Now, if I go to conventional, I don't know, pharmacy or something like that, you'll see whole aisles dedicated to just certain ethnic groups and their hair, hair needs and things like that is... Is that stuff real or is that just marketing? And and do you deal with that in your shop at all? Yeah. So, um, I you know, I have a lot of uh, customers that are black women specifically, and they do have very special needs for their hair, uh, including lots of extra oil okay. and, and moisture. And so we carry a lot of raw shea butters and like jojoba oil and argan oil um, and that kind of thing. So that they can properly take care of their hair as well. Okay. Um, and it it is a lot marketing in like big box <laughs> stores. Um, I, there's a term for it, and I can't think of it at the moment. But the grocery store will like have a whole department dedicated just to black hair, which I think is fantastic. And there should be more. There should be a lot more options. I, I wish it wasn't just like contained to a tiny section. And in our shop, there's nothing that is specifically for one ethnic group or another ethnic group. Our stuff tends to be more on that moisture heavy side and more appropriate for, you know, drier and or coarser okay. hair. And okay. I kind of draw it back from there. Okay. So if, if you need less moisturizing, I can be like, all right, well, 
this, you know, most of our products may not be right for yeah. you. And uh, I'll, I'll try to help guide those people to their specific needs uh, from there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I already dove way more into soap and hair and everything than I even said I would. So uh, let's get to the refillery, which, of course, has some cleaning products in it. But tell us more about what is the refillery, where did this idea come from, and how do people use it? So um, the refillery is essentially a whole bunch of growlers with pumps and uh, little scoop bottles and, and, and a bunch of empty bottles that you can buy to fill things. And you can bring your containers back over and over again. Uh, you always get 10% off when you bring your container, oh, which is um, nice. just something we do to try to encourage people to remember them. Yeah. Um, and what yeah. kind of containers do people bring? Uh, anything. Any. I've had people fill up old pasta jars with shampoo yep. or, um, you know, bring back their big, bulky, ugly plastic yep. laundry uh jug thing yeah and and reuse that it's infinitely reusable and i would much rather watch someone bring in some just like old used up plastic container they've had forever <laughs> than buy like a new like super aesthetically pleasing amber glass jar right i'm like if but that's, you have those right yeah <laughs> it's like i have them for you if you need them but like please use things as long as you can yeah yeah um but yeah, the refillery came about uh, about six months ago. We we had a very very tiny one with stuff that I handmade oh, wow. in the shop exclusively. I didn't outsource anything. I didn't buy anything from anyone else. It was handmade lotion, handmade shampoo. Okay. Hand, I mean, I couldn't do any more than like the five things that I had at that rate. Um, but the um, the only other refillery in the city actually closed at the beginning of the year. And I immediately had an Gosh, inbox. Where, can, where was that? Um, it was in Old Louisville. Um, ah, yes, with forage, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know they are, you know, they they were valued by the community, and like really, there was a loss that happened. Yeah, I had many friends who were and mm -hmm. students at U of L who would talk about that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I had a lot of respect for what they were doing, and kind of in some ways didn't want to step on that okay. too much. Um, but, you know, I kind of ascribe to the, the theory that more sustainable businesses is always better. Oh, yeah. And we're not competing with each other. We're competing together with, sure. against, like, the big corporate sure. bad guys. There should be refilleries in every neighborhood. Come exactly, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, yeah, so when they closed, I had an inbox full of people that were like, <laughs> oh, God, please. Like, are you going to do more? Like, are you going to have more? We we we're losing a resource yeah and um i was like okay well <laughs> i guess i have to <laughs> i guess i have to uh and i had no idea like really what i was doing and i was just like let me throw this together as quickly and, and effectively as i can and yeah. um the uh, it was uh the place in um old louisville was nice enough to sell me a lot of their infrastructure oh wow um because they kind of held the same values i think that yeah. you know having the resource in the community was better than not having yeah okay so before i ask how people use it uh what is the range of products available in the refillery so we have everything from like shampoo body wash conditioner to um all-purpose cleaning spray toilet cleaner, oh. um, dishwash powder. And then we also have like a variety of dry clays and a variety of oils. 
We even have like witch hazel and alcohol if you wanted to refill those things to take home. Okay. All right. And so I can just walk into the shop with no preparation. Mm-hmm. I'll pay full price and refill or fill up refillable bottles, I guess. It's only it's only bottles, it's not bags for the We have or? we have all kinds, have all of, kinds of things. Okay, okay. Bottles, bags, jars. <laughs> uh, but once anything. I've experienced it and I know what I need to prep for next time, but I imagine most of your customers are bringing their own refillable bottles in. Mm-hmm. And then how does it work? Do you sell it by weight or mm-hmm. or how do What about the weight of the bottle and things like that? Um, So we have a couple of scales in the shop. First thing you do when you come in with your your container is you tear the scale, and then you fill it with your desired product. That's T-A-R-E. I used to work in a grocery co-op, so I know all about that. (laughs) But maybe most of our listeners don't know what a tear is. That just means you're discounting the weight of the container Mm -hmm. from the total weight of the item, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then we have some cute little labels you can make. To, oh really? To put on your product and uh, yeah, we we can do anything from like make something giftable to like no, I I, I don't want any labels on it at all. Like nice. we're we're just we're gonna save that. Yeah. Okay. And then you know a function that corporate labels serve is providing instructions. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that with any of your products? So they just they don't need instructions or what? Uh, for the most part, no, they don't okay. need instructions and. We, we have this unique ability to talk to every single customer that buys something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if they buy something that I feel like requires a little special instruction, I will teach them how to use the product in the store before they leave. Uh, okay. And a lot of those corporate labels are just marketing. Like mm-hmm. there's the whole things like cold water such and such or something like that. Yeah. And the reality is any of the soaps would work in cold water mm-hmm. and things like that. So in a way, I mean, yes, there is useful information on labels. I'm not saying all of it's useless, but a lot of it is just an effort to get you to buy the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a way to pollute your mind, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that might be a, a, a good highway into the greenwashing thing yeah, um, yeah. that we were going to talk about because... A lot of my issues that uh, about corporate products is that they do greenwash. And just to explain greenwash, greenwashing a little bit, um, it is when a, a company or organization sells you something as an eco-friendly good when it is, in fact, not. It might even be harmful. Um, Selling you an idea. <clears throat> yes. It may not be fully. Or a lifestyle. 100% truth. Yeah, or a lifestyle, right? I feel we, like that's a lot of we it. We feel guilty. We want to do the right thing. And here comes this product saying, I can do what you want, but mm-hmm. there's not much information behind that. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes there's grains of truth in what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a big story that is told through these yeah. things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You might go buy like a um, seventh generation or like a. Uh, simple living or whatever one of those eco brands from the store and it's like you know this is this is totally sustainable but it's mostly palm oil i'm just like (laughs) what are we doing here (laughs) so how do people get the opposite of that in your store well um i i try to take a lot of the work out of it for you okay if you have to go to the store and and know every ingredient where it comes from like what the sustainability of that ingredient is, how it's farmed, what kind of labor comes from, like yeah. is behind the production of it. You're you're not going to be able to do that. The most like most people are going to get overwhelmed 
by having to be so educated about everything right. to even be able to buy things and feel good about it. So, Or there's analysis paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. always facing multiple options in America. We have so yeah. many options, right? Uh, that, you know, none of them are perfect and mm-hmm. all of them have some good, all of them have some bad. And you're like, ah! And you yeah. just spend your life staring at all the options yeah. instead of moving on, right? So I just, I try to do that work for people and let them know that, like, everything that they can get in our shop is sustainably grown, it's ethically sourced, and the the labor that goes into creating it and selling it to you is also valued. Right. Um, all of our staff make at least $15 an hour. Um Nice. So, you know, we, we also promise to pay our own employees a living yeah, wage yeah. and make sure that they are also being treated ethically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this happens a lot with small business owners and entrepreneurs who end up, like, not even paying themselves, right? Because they're just trying to get the well. thing going. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't say I'm any different. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Uh, my guest today is a small business owner and entrepreneur, Kira Meter, founder and owner of a one-year-old Brick and mortar business, anyway, called Toza Apothecary and Tea House. It's at 976 Barrett Avenue, but you can find them online at Toza Soap, T O Z A Soap.com. Open Thursdays through Mondays, on weekdays from noon to seven, and on the weekends, you get the brunch crowd, right? Yeah. There's a lot of brunching going on on Barrett Avenue. There really is. There really <laughs> so is. So you open at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. on the weekends, right? Um, so what are some other ways to, or that Toza works to reduce, reuse and recycle? I mean, you're helping your customers, but Mm -hmm. how about your own practices? Um, like me in my home or are you talking about me as the business? I guess you could share both. Yeah. Well, as the business, you know, like we're real heavy on recycling. I, um, may have finagled an extra city sized recycling bin for myself because (laughs) of the type of business we are. Um, so we recycle pretty much everything. Um, but beyond that, we're real big on the reuse yeah. um, because that's the best way to be sustainable. Yeah. And so we actually have a free section in the shop Sweet. where you can get containers for free. Sweet. People will return them to the store. And we don't, um, unless it's a candle jar, anything that is uh, for like topical products that you're going to put on your body, we don't reuse them because there are some laws around that that, yes. that don't allow us to. Okay. Um, but we will but can I, as a customer? put them in our free bucket and you can like come and grab them for yourself and use them if you okay. like. Okay. I see. Um, but when it comes to my own home, I have like a couple things that I like to do that are, uh, that help me live a little bit more sustainably, mm-hmm. um, including like buying things in bulk and splitting them with other households. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to Costco and get a huge, thing of of your laundry detergent if you don't buy it from us you know and you 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 need something that's just gonna be the most eco or the most cost efficient right um you can go buy that huge thing and split it with another household and then and then you know you're not each buying a plastic container yeah um so i have some friends that i'll do that kind of thing with um i also like to keep a uh a water bottle on the back of my toilet um you may not have heard about this before, but if you if you fill a water bottle up with water and you 
toss it in there. It takes up a little more space, so you're not in running the tank. Through. Mm-hmm. So you reduce. Yeah, it. in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it a low flow in a way, like it uh-huh. per flush. Your, your, I did this as a kid. I, yeah, my my dad and I put milk jugs full of water in our toilet tanks. Mm-hmm. Now you know, toilet technology is low flow <laughs> fixtures are starting to evolve a little bit. So not every toilet maybe needs this anymore. But certainly, if you have an older one with one of those mm-hmm. huge tanks on the back, it might not be necessary to use all that water exactly. with each flush, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, and then, you know, other than that, we um, we use mason jars a lot. And I, yeah. I, I always encourage people like, hey, you really don't need to go buy a bunch of fancy Tupperware or storage containers or, or whatnot. You don't even need to go buy glassware. Um, mason jars are oftentimes free and or very cheap if yeah. you go to thrift stores and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you can find them there, yeah. Uh, we even give them away for free fairly often. Awesome. And they they are every kind of container in my house. I, I, have, <laughs> I have pretty much nothing else. It's plates and mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> and you can drink out of them. Yeah. You can store stuff in them, liquids or solids, right? Uh, you can get a nice seal on them mm-hmm. so you can keep bugs out and things like that. And no microplastics, right? When we store things in plastic that's contributing to the sort of microplastics everywhere problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm so glad that you're helping make plastic free living a possibility in louisville this is really cool um what are some other easy changes people can make in their home uh to try and transition to more sustainable living um an- another like a big easy thing that you can do is to not buy new anywhere oh uh, yeah that you have the ability to do that um Oftentimes when I need a new clothing item or something, I will try to um, go to like thrift stores and that kind of thing first, do a clothing swap with a friend. Um, Washing your clothes less is also more eco-friendly. Yes. Uh, I feel like we were raised to think that every time we wore an item or every time we used a towel, we had to wash it. Mm. And every time you wash your clothes, those microplastics that your clothes are made (laughs) out of go straight into the water system. Mm -hmm. So washing your clothes less, it not only saves water and soap and that kind of thing, but it also saves those plastics from being washed down the drain. And extends the life of the clothes. It does. It does. (laughs) Dramatically. I'm a big believer that, like, denim needs to be washed every, like, tenth wear, you know? Like, uh, unless you're... Yep. Unless you're, you know, hanging out in the creek or something, you know? (laughs) I got the clean overalls and I got the dirty overalls. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Ready for anything. You got my clean overalls today. I hope you Looks know. like it. Yeah. <laughs> too bad this isn't television. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great idea. And then, of course, I always dry my clothes on the on the sun. Uh, never use the clothes dryer. That also extends the life and fewer microplastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, all those things really help. Now, You've just celebrated one year in business. Yeah. I guess you had your birthday party on May 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a bummer. I got stormed out oh. uh, all of a sudden. Like, yes, we have, we we're kind of raging. And then it was just like, oh, party <laughs> over. Um, but I tell you what, like, the the number of people that, like, message me or send postcards or mail or mm. whatever, just thanking me for being in the community. Mm. Uh, and when I say me, I mean Toza, like it's more it's more than me um we have an awesome staff um and my husband does a lot of work for us too and uh you know the the community kind of makes it happen too yeah. i have a lot of people that really care about the space 
and will, you know, just like constantly champion us. And that kind of uh, endorsement and care from people that use us as the resource that we intend to be are what keeps us around. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, a lot of businesses making it to a year is a pretty good milestone for a new business, right? So how are you feeling about it? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very tired. I'm very yeah. tired. It's like I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I feel like we've gotten over several humps. <laughs> um, but, but now, like, I want some of my quality of life back. You know, it's been... It's been a whole year of like stabilizing the store and like really yeah, pouring yeah. every cent that I had and every minute that I had into it. And now um, we're, we've decided to shift a little bit so that my staff and I, my husband, my family, we all have a little better quality of life. I have more time for um, community works, which I, I spend a lot of time doing outside of the shop. Um, and I might maybe get a day off occasionally <laughs> maybe, right and your mother yes that's a lot right mm-hmm. there right yeah <laughs> i have two babies really two babies uh. <laughs> <laughs> well that's great um so if I, I guess we haven't really talked about the the tea house side of the business you yeah. want to share a little bit about what people can expect there well um so the tea house is uh self-service so okay. we have like a little hot pot and a variety of like bagged teas that nice. you can choose from get your um we have like tea sets that are on trays so you can go pick up a tray fill up your teapot with your hot water pick out your tea bags for you and your friends and go sit down with with an actual tea set and have nice. tea. Um, and we have a couple snack items as well. Okay. Uh, but really, it's just meant to be like a, a, a safe and accepting community space where, okay. you know, you can come and have tea. You can bring your own lunch in if you want nice. and sit and work. Um, you can come and spend no money at all. And <laughs> we're like perfectly happy to have you. Um uh, you know, we focus a lot on on making sure that we are inclusive, yeah, uh, especially of like LGBTQ youth. Um, nice. We have a lot of younger folks that maybe don't have the money to go pay for a eight dollar coffee right. and and sit. So you know, like yeah. they can bring their sack lunch from home and just get out of their house if maybe it's hard for them to work there. Right, right. Is it an indoor seating space or do you have outdoor too? We have both. Okay. Um, the indoor seating space is it's not huge. I think we have like five tables. Yeah. Um, and then we have some sofas out on our back patio that oh, is wow. all shaded. <gasps> and so you can sit out there and work on your computer too. Wow. I often have people that are there when I get to the store in the morning. It's really nice. Okay. Uh, and and we welcome that as well. Okay. Help people locate in their mind. Where is 976 Barrett Avenue? Like landmarks, what businesses are near there and what business used to be there? Um, so it used to be, I think it was Gallery K. Okay. Um, most most recently before it, uh, we were there. There's a fellow named Sketch that owned it. He's come in several times. Super nice fellow. Nice. Uh, hopefully we're going to bring back some community events that he used to do in the space. Oh, um, okay. And uh, now we have a new business that's opening right next door to us, uh, Derby City Market. They're a mid-century modern furniture shop. Uh, And I'm all about, you know, folks buying used vintage furniture because 
Yeah. Sustainable AF. Yeah, yeah. Love that. <laughs> uh, and then we've got, uh, of course, Goldheart Crystals is on the other side. And then we've got um, Eats is our other. Eats, yes, the Vietnamese restaurant. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. World famous <laughs> Vietnamese. I I probably eat there like three days a week. At oh least. <laughs> wow! Lucky you. Dangerous, uh, dangerous to be in that corridor. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, so uh, it's at nine seventy six Barron Avenue. Tozasoap.com. T o z a soap.com. And again, people could also order online. So I guess you do delivery or curbside pickup. We um, we offer curbside pickup. We are not doing delivery anymore just because. Okay. Like we are such a small staff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if folks want to place an order for, for pickup, uh, that's an option. We also ship all over the world. Wow. Um, we, uh, we have several whole wholesale accounts more in Europe than we do here. Wow. Um, huh. which is amazing. I, I've had many of those customers reach out to me. They're like, I can't find anything that is like quite like what you make here wow. or whatnot, which Wow. Surprises me. That also. is surprising. Yeah, it's like I didn't realize I was doing anything so unique. But <laughs> that's great. Well, thanks for being a leader in Louisville and the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Kira Meter has been my guest, founder and owner of Toza Apothecary and Tea House on Barrett Avenue. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day. It sounds like you're not, you know, you're a little tired. You're doing a lot. <laughs> I really appreciate you giving me this time today. It's been great to get to know you more and, and share about your important work. Absolutely. It's totally my pleasure. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas about how you can get engaged in sustainability this week. So stay tuned. here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, listening to the sweet, sweet sounds of Appalachian. Many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their local music on the podcast versions of our programs, which you can find on SoundCloud and archived at FordRadio.org. And you can learn more about them at Appalachian.com. Well, I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out, because even though it's a short work week and happy Memorial Day, everyone, there's a lot to do for sustainability this week. First of all, we're running out of May. May is nearly over, and May is your chance to do 
a gift card giveaway for new owners of the Louisville Community Grocery. If you're not an owner yet, now is the time to join. All new owners joining through the end of May will be entered in a drawing to win a $25 gift card from Flora Kitchen Edit, 1004 Barrett Avenue. If you've not tried their amazing vegan breakfast and brunch, go get yourself some delicious biscuits and gravy. And the Louisville Community Grocery is seeking your membership to open the doors to food justice in our urban core. Standard lifetime ownership costs just $150, and if you have economic barriers to ownership, you can choose to pay in five easy installments. Or if you're a senior, over 65, a youth under 25, if you're unemployed, disabled, on SNAP or an EBT user or systemically disadvantaged, you may purchase a subsidized Advantage share for one payment of just $25, no questions asked. Advantage shares have all the same benefits as standard price shares. You can learn more and become a member or volunteer today at LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. Now, I mentioned it last week, Jamming with Wild Berries, a make-and-take jam workshop. The first one has been rescheduled, so it's not too late. You can still take part in this workshop either on Tuesday, May 31st, or Friday, June 3rd. They're both days. It's at 6 to 8 p.m. at the Louisville Grows Healthy House, 1641 Portland Avenue. We will walk, pick berries, and then return to the Louisville Grows Healthy House to make jam together. You'll go home with a jar of delicious jam and a super easy recipe to keep jamming all season long. It's a lot of fun, and your hands will only be staying purple for a couple days, we promise. This is presented by Amanda Fuller of Lots of Food and co-hosted by Louisville Grows. Tickets are on a sliding scale. Capacity is limited to 15 participants, so register now at louisvillelotsoffood.com for the Jammin' with Wild Berries Make and Take Jam Workshop on May 31st or June 3rd, 6 to 8 at the Louisville Grows Healthy House Louisville Lots of Food. Now, coming up later in the week on Thursday, June 2nd, there, speaking of Louisville Grows, there's going to be a Giving Grove Community Information Session, again, at the Healthy House, 1641 Portland Avenue, at 5.30 p.m. The Louisville Grows Giving Grove program exists to support groups in growing their own orchards that license, that increase access to fresh fruit, hands-on learning, and community building. They are hosting an information session for any community member interested in establishing a community orchard. No registration is needed to attend the Thursday evening info session. Just show up and learn how we can. they can help you improve access to healthy fruits, berries, and nuts in your neighborhood by starting a community orchard. Now, to become a Giving Grove Orchard, you must have a water source that's essential to success. You must have at least one and a backup committed steward responsible for ongoing care and maintenance of the orchard. And of course, a percentage of the harvest must provide the community access to healthy food. You can learn more by contacting Lisa at programs at louisvillegrows.org or giving her a call at 502-905-4342 with any questions. But you can just show up at the Healthy House on Portland Avenue at 5.30 p.m. on Thursday, June 2nd to learn more. Also on Thursday, June 2nd at 5.30, just down the road at the Portland Community Center, 640 North 27th Street, Louisville Metro Parks and Rec is seeking volunteers to help 
with a garden workday for the Portland Community Center. You can join the new center supervisor, Denise, at the garden for a fun evening of weeding and plant care. No garden experience is necessary. You can sign up to volunteer through the myimpactpage.com. And it's on Thursday, June 2nd, 5.30 to 7 at the Portland Community Center on 27th Street. Now, coming up next weekend, Saturday, June 4th at 10 a.m., there is a free virtual workshop, Environmental Justice 101, Climate Changes, Health, Equity, and Justice. The Kentucky Resources Council returns with a new round of the Kentucky Environmental Leadership Institute for 2022. This year, they will host three sessions for community members who want to learn more about how to protect the places they live and love. The first session of the year entitled Climate Changes, Health, Equity, and Justice will be brought to you by Dr. Natasha DeJarnett, Assistant Professor uh, at L's Christina Lee Brown Envirome Institute. You can find the link to register for the Saturday 10 a.m. free virtual workshop at kyrc.org. It's kyrc.org for the Kentucky Resources Council. Now, as we mentioned last week, coming up this Saturday, June 4th, it's the Kentucky Solar Energy Society's annual meeting open to everybody at L's Ekstrom Library Basement Auditorium from 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. L's Sustainability Council is proud to host this 2022 annual meeting of the Kentucky Solar Energy Society, whose mission is to promote the use of renewable energy, energy efficiency, and conservation in Kentucky through education, advocacy, networking, and demonstration of practical applications. This meeting is free and open to all KYSES members, of course, as well as students, guests, and the general public interested in learning more about solar power in Kentucky. Expect an interactive day with participation from attendees and presenters on the state of solar generation and updates from the board members on efforts such as solar legislation and solar over Louisville. You'll hear an address from Louisville Mayor on solar, the current state of solar in Kentucky, solar energy basics and how to choose an installer, an update on the solar over Louisville program, the latest on solar technology, a presentation on batteries for solar applications, uh, Kentucky Legislature Solar Issues Briefing, LG&E Integrated Resource Plan before the PSC, and the latest on net metering litigation. The meeting will also feature a free catered lunch and plenty of time to network with fellow solar and renewable energy supporters. You need to register right now. Registration link for the free lunch is available at louisville.edu slash sustainability or you can find it at kyses.org for the Kentucky Solar Energy Society. And we hope to see you this Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at UofL's Extram Library in the Basement Auditorium. Now, also on Saturday, you're going to have to choose. There's a Gun Violence Awareness Day, a Peace Walk and Survivor Remembrance, taking place on Saturday the 4th from noon to 2 at Trinity House Christian Child Care, 4106 Greenwood Avenue in the Chickasaw neighborhood. Everybody will be wearing orange on June 4th, and you're encouraged to join them for the Gun Violence Awareness Day out there at Trinity House Christian Child Care, 4106 Greenwood Avenue from noon to 2 on Saturday. Now, coming up on Sunday, there's a bunch of great events on Sunday, June 5th. The Sustainable Ag of Louisville, a proud Forward Radio community partner, is having our Three Sisters Planting Day 
It's a lot of fun. We're going to be planting corn, beans, and squash all at the same time in land that Adam Barr has prepared for us out at Barr Farms in Rodelia, Kentucky. You can carpool with the Sustainable Ag Louisville Director uh, from 104 Forest Court over in the Crescent Hill neighborhood. And then we'll be meeting up at 8 a.m. for coffee and an 8.30 a.m. departure at 104 Forest Court uh, for the Saturday, June, uh, Sunday, June 5th, Three Sisters planting out in Rodelia, Kentucky. Uh, if it does rain on Sunday, the rain date is June 12th. And you can learn more at salouisville.org. Also on Sunday the 5th, La Casita Center is having a summer brunch fundraiser from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at La Casita there in Old Louisville at 223 East Magnolia. La Casita is excited to welcome back their beloved Circulo Summer Brunch. Join us Sunday from 10 to 2 to feast on tamales, pupusas, chimichangas, and other delights from across Latin America. All funds contribute to La Casita's mission to provide Kentuckiana's Latinx community with hospitality, accompaniment, and empowerment. You can get all the details and purchase your tickets at lacasitacenter.org. And if you have any questions, email them at fundraising at lacasitacenter.org. Now, Sunday, June 5th is also the first Cycluvia of the year, and it's the first time ever they are doing it on Main Street. From 2 to 6 p.m., the people are taking back Main Street for fun and recreation, creating a temporary linear park closed to cars on Main Street from 10th Street all the way to Wenzel Street. Louisville's popular open streets event, Cycluvia, is your opportunity to experience Louisville as you never have before by walking, cycling, skateboarding, or simply dancing and playing in the streets. Streets account for a massive amount of public land in all cities, and Cycluvia repurposes these public spaces by temporarily replacing traditional car traffic with pedestrian traffic. Streets become paved parks where people of all ages, abilities, and backgrounds can come to improve their mental, physical, and emotional health. Starting in 2012, Cycluvia events have attracted tens of thousands of people to various neighborhoods across the city. In addition to being part of the mayor's healthy hometown movement, Cycluvia promotes healthy lifestyles, alternative transportation, bike and pedestrian safety, and economic development. You can learn more at louisvilleky.gov, but just come on out to Main Street between 10th and Wenzel on Sunday from 2 to 6 p.m. And finally, on first Mondays, including this coming June 6th, there's a monthly plant swap at High Wire Brewing at 642 Baxter Avenue. It's from 6.30 to 10 in the evening. You can join us for their monthly plant swap from 6.30 to 10, first Monday of each month. Swap succulents and clippings, share tips and tricks, trade tools and planters, and spill the plant deals spotted around town. We'll be doing this every month, so you've got plenty of opportunities to hang with your green-thumbed buds at highwirebrewing.com. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Be well.